Dancy Lagarde fans, you will be thrilled to know a book is coming out if you fund it. Via Unbound, we are publishing The Dancy Lagarde Reader by Alice Fraser and Dancy Lagarde, a glorious insight into the world of Dancy Lagarde, self-published romance maven and online bestseller. If you would like to find out how to support it, go to thebuglepodcast.com. If we get enough support, we will publish the book. That's a real thing that's going to happen. Thebuglepodcast.com to support The Dancy Lagarde Reader. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Bugle presents The Last Post with Alice Fraser. Hello, posters, and welcome to The Last Post. Today's episode is the 4th of February of the year 2020. Happy birthday today to Charles Lindbergh, Rosa Parks, and Alice Cooper, all famous for their non-conventional use of public transport. Lindbergh was an American aviator, Parks was a lady who sat on a bus, and Alice Cooper took his bus on tour and used it for parties and to bang women. In history today, in 1783, the American Revolutionary War ended... And in 1938, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was released. Don't tell me those two are not connected. Celebrations today include World Cancer Day and National Homemade Soup Day, which sounds like a nice thing to do, and I'm not going to make a joke about that. Can I, can I just pick you off on something, yes. Alice? It should be, linguistically, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves were released <laughs> at, at the end of their <laughs> controversial jail sentence. Important, that controversial jail sentence was actually revoked, and they were given seven years of additional freedom. There we go. There you go. Uh, the That's law. justice for you, isn't it? <laughs> the arc of justice turns. And our guest today, who you've just heard, is Andy, Andy Zaltzman, just coming off his stint on the groundbreaking Kardashians reality courtroom drama, Judge Kimmy, where he successfully prosecuted a celebrity Instagram chihuahua over 14 hours of gripping semi-scripted melodrama television. He is back in the studio with me today. Welcome back, Andy. Hello. Yeah, I've gone vegan since I won that show. <laughs> Coming up today, we'll be talking about how Europe is coping post-Brexit. But first, some headlines. People planning on a worldwide Facebook strike on the anniversary of the founding of Facebook on this day in 2004 after they realised that everyone on social media is essentially working for Mark Zuckerberg were thwarted after Facebook's algorithm didn't notify them of the strike date on the planned event. The planned strike, called You're Not Just the Consumer, You're Also the Product, was subject to a number of inexplicable glitches in the app and website and required protesters to pay money to boost the event into one another's feeds in order to properly organise the anti-Facebook march. Instead, they chose to engage in an online live video protest where everyone just looked at their phones for an hour. When asked what they thought of the strike, everyone who wasn't on the strike went, huh? And everyone who was on the strike also went, huh? Health panic is sweeping the nation about youth vaping as a number of schools report stealth vaping in halls, playgrounds and even classrooms, as though stealth vaping were a thing. 
I don't want to know how big your lung capacity is. I don't want it to be visible to me. Right. No, I mean, it's something you just want to say for your dating profile, isn't it? Yeah. Rather it's, than it's, expressing through the medium of visible exhalations. It's disturbing enough walking around the world knowing that you're breathing other people's breath, and it's worse when it has a flavour. Obviously, the world is very concerned about contagious uh, diseases uh, with the latest Snutteridge virus that swept through Greenland recently and uh, wiped out all the penguins, and concerned that that could, could leap across into humans via the Canadian mainland. But <laughs> if you could see what everyone else has breathed, then you can dodge it and breathe fresh air, can't you? That is true. So uh, actually, it, it's very healthy for people to smoke. Celebrity Andy Zaltzman calls for compulsory vaping. Is that it in Compulsory schools? vaping. You know, it, it, they did used to be compulsory smoking in some schools. I mean, a long time ago, <laughs> like in the ni- 19th I think, century. I think a, that a was healthy, called factories. A cleansing pipe of tobacco. <laughs> And Prime Minister Boris Johnson is now under pressure to organise brand new favourable trade deals with the EU, having spent the last few months pointing out how little the UK needs his country's hitherto biggest economic partners. According to CNN, failure will mean even more pain for an economy that is already ground to a halt, which is like when you realise you've sent a bitchy text to the person the text is bitching about, but more like you've sent a couple of years' worth of bitchy speeches, interviews and parliamentary posturing to the person your bitchy speeches, interviews and parliamentary posturing was about, and now you have to grovel your way back into <laughs> their good graces or start encouraging more farming. I mean, it's not so much like the accidental text, is it? It's more like camping outside someone's house with a big batter saying, F- you. <laughs> yeah, and then asking them for a casserole. Yeah. And that is your headlines for today. It's now time for your ad section, because say what you like about freedom of speech, everything's funded by ads these days, and we all hope we don't lose our sponsor. Remember, you can submit an ad by email to thelastpost at somethingelse.com. In-flight magazine magazine. With articles on how to write articles about places you're not going to go, the moderately successful careers of people you don't care about, and the forgotten charms of a place that looks awful. In-Flight Magazine Magazine, a bland pasteboard for ads about things rich people use, and rich people are too rich to read about in-flight magazines. They can afford extortionate onboard Wi-Fi costs. In-Flight Magazine Magazine, the magazine that magazines want to be. Driven by a raging hunger, leaving a trail of devastation, indiscriminately made for variety a coming-of-age tale that will move your heart action adventure fruit he knows what he wants and he'll go straight through anything that stands in his way the very hungry caterpillar in stores now don't be delicious as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. And that's your ads for today. 
The last post. 2020 Eurovision news now, and by Eurovision I mean the vision for 2020 of the EU, not the hybrid rocker Stedford slash fever dream that replaced war. Without the UK's leavening influence, Europe is planning to get tangled up in a sausage fest about who has the best sausage fest, a pissing <laughs> contest on who has the best piscine, as in swimming pool, and a dick-swinging competition about who has the gayest musicians, a.k.a. Eurovision. <laughs> What's going on in Europe? How are they coping post-Brexit? Well, Alice, uh, in the words of uh, Harry Nielsen, I can't live if living is without EU. <laughs> um, ironically, Harry Nielsen was from the USA, which is not in the EU, but he sounds like he was from Sweden, and Sweden only joined the EU the year after Nielsen died, so read into that whatever you want. And this being, Are you suggesting Nielsen was reincarnated as Sweden's membership into the EU? <laughs> we just don't know. I mean, the thing is... Life is very hard to interpret these days, and you can read anything in, in, in into anything, really. And if you do it convincingly enough and get the right newspapers on board, then, as we've seen, reality can be concocted. It's interesting times in Britain's relationship with uh, with Europe, obviously, um, well, Britain's relationship with itself. We're getting our passports back, obviously. That's the, uh, the driving forces of the fact that we had red passports, not, yes. not blue passports. Yeah, it was compulsory at one point for Britons to send their passports to Brussels where they would be coloured in hand painted. with a, a marker. But in, in, in Belgian paint as well. Oh, I mean, that was terrible. The, that, I mean, that was because it, it's actually the colour. High in waffles, Belgian paint, isn't yeah. it? It's a mixture of crushed Dutch tulips <laughs> and the blood of native Belgian waffle hounds. <laughs> We're getting new passports um, with because we've we've had to have for too long imposed on us the uh, European term "oniswaki malipense." Yes, it's obviously foisted on us by the EU in the late nineteen seventies. I think shortly after we we joined, uh, it's going to be replaced with "honk if you're horny" after a controversial <laughs> public vote, and um, we're getting rid of the unicorn as well. Uh, the line of the unicorn, not uh, native to Britain, of course. We're getting the mermaid instead, which um, native to Britain. Yes, yeah. that's where fish and chips comes from. Exactly where fish and chips come from, the, the mermaids. I mean, most tadpoles do become mermaids. The ones that don't become frogs. Anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> the, the point is, we, we have an awkward relationship with, with Europe. And there's this erroneous narrative here in Britain that Brexit has been some form of A, act of constitutional and social vandalism, B, an intergenerational long-form prank, or C, the closest humanity has yet come to the successful developments of time travel technology. Um that that is wrong, and there's a new narrative taking hold in which the Brexit was actually a deliberate act of self national self sacrifice by Britain to alert the EU to its its flaws and the, and the mistakes that that it has been making. We've we've selflessly chosen to uh, strafe ourselves in the feet. Yeah, well, certainly some of, of the EU. certainly some of the complaints against the EU's sort of internal bureaucracy and very you know a lot of argument and a lot of different yeah. people trying to agree on something being a very inefficient way to sort of run regulations. Those were very justified criticisms, and uh, the UK decided that the best way to deal with those problems in the EU was to shoot themselves out of it yes. as fast as possible. It's... In many ways, it's more Europe leaving Britain than the other way around. I think when we <laughs> look at it objectively, uh, there's another conspiracy. There's been a lot of briefing in. in Brussels, um, where I was doing my, my recent um, jazz gig, um, where there's a new narrative being created that actually Europe was nudging Britain towards the exit door from pretty much from the moment in 1973 that Britain 
became a member as they, they realised pretty much on day one that we're inherently suspicious of you know excessive amounts of peace, stability and harmony. So um, they've just been nudging us towards the door by doing slightly irritating things like helping provide competitively priced labour and uh, predictably shaped fruit and vegetables. So they've, they've worked us like a kipper. Uh, the cheese wars are quite interesting. And this is was always predicted. There was a lot of talk about fish, but actually the cheese wars always like to be more of a long-term issue. Um, brie in particular has been... Because, you know, you have French brie, you have... English brie. The French are now pronouncing it brie to make it more French, and it's known as braille in England now. So, <laughs> obviously, yeah, dramatic scenes, but queues around the block, reminiscent of people signing up uh, in the early days of the First World War, queues of eager young Brits lusting after the newly available jobs to pick strawberries, clean toilets, and change old codgers' piddle bags in nursing homes. The, <laughs> those streaming openings that for too long have been stolen from our very grasp by the money grubbing glory hunters of trope. Um, which is what I now call the rest of planet Earth, the official government acronym. It's now UK and trope. Anyway, I mean, it's early days yet, clearly. So we're less than a week, so it's a bit... We can't judge definitively whether or not this has been a mistake or a terrible mistake or an absolutely catastrophic mistake. Yeah, we're still early, early, yeah. early, mid-transition period. Yeah, yeah. So we don't, we, we don't know. Maybe it'll be a roaring success. Let's just say those words and hope that they somehow magic into, into truth. The, the challenge politically, I guess, is to try and earn the support of the younger generation because we've seen Brexit was you know a large a very generational split and politicians generally are trained and conditioned not to think long term i mean it's very hard to win an election saying we need to live like this in 50 years time <laughs> it doesn't generally win votes and politicians planning you know, they need to plan a generation ahead because they're going to you know they're going to need the votes of these people who may well end up feeling betrayed having had this 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 decision imposed upon them and yeah maybe you should have to have i think 25 percent of all policies should be for what the country should be like in 50 years time i mean i think that's a very good plan i think what you should do is is the moment somebody's political term finishes freeze them in kryptonite and then bring them back in 50 years to hold them accountable i think we are already building a, a better world but i mean <laughs> it's clearly difficult because generally politicians cannot think much further ahead than their current metaphorical political boner. So it's it's hard to, you know, look at long-term, shall we say, family planning. <laughs> and that is your top story for today. Now it is time for your letters to the editor. Hi, Alice, and probably Andy. That's true. Massive fires in Australia, plagues of locusts in Africa, coronavirus outbreak in China, war brewing in Iran. How many more effing clues do you need? Rob, effing clues to what? Are you saying those well, are all anagrams or what? Is it a, cro- a crossword? I don't know what he thinks. Right. He clearly thinks right. the answer is obvious, the answer but I'm is not sure. The the end of the world. How many clues do I need? At least one more, Rob. It is like a crossword because once you get the answer to one of the clues, all the others start to become easier. Uh, so if we ignore the answers to all of them, then we can continue living in a blissful optimism. It will fall down. Uh, the subject of the email is Armageddon. Oh, right, OK. So, so now that makes sense. That does, that does definitely <laughs> make sense. Yeah. All right, um, what do you want me to do about it, Rob, is the end of that. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to The Last Post today. We are here in your ears every day of the year, and you can shove us back in your holes again tomorrow. Remember, we have a back catalogue for people who like to binge the news, so if you have not done so before, please listen back to previous editions. Andy, thank you so much for coming in as our guest today. Have you got anything to plug, other than, of course, your upcoming jazz concert? Um, Well... Which is called All the Silences and is just very yeah. nouveau, nouveau jazz. Yes, which is I mean, that's always been the bits I've been best at in, in, in music. Um, 
but it sold surprisingly well, to be honest. So I'm, uh, I'm doing a signing, and uh, <laughs> it's in my house. So. <laughs> Just signing stuff in your yeah. house in the hope that people will want it. Yeah, yeah. You've okay. got to make yourself feel special every now and again, haven't you? Yeah. Treat yourself, Andy. <laughs> Treat yourself to a signing. Self-care, hashtag self-care. You can find Andy Zaltzman on Twitter at Zaltz Cricket. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. My tickets are now on sale for Melbourne, Sydney and Perth comedy festivals in the upcoming months in Australia. Use the internet, why don't you? The last post is a something else, Alice Fraser and Bugle Podcast production. Your guest today was Andrew Zaltzman. I'm Alice Fraser and the executive producer is Christopher D. Skinner. Talk to you again tomorrow. (laughs) 